Well, I'm excited to talk about our, I don't even know what installment this is. Can anybody help me? How many sermons have we been doing in unprecedented generosity? I will give you $1,000 in the spiritual realm, which means you have to have the faith to believe for it. Um, I'll give you $1,000 in the spiritual realm if you can tell me. Is this number six? Yes. Wow. We've done six of these? Yes. Well, I haven't done all six, but six of them have happened. This is a great series. Unprecedented faith. This is amazing, and I'm excited to uh, share what God has put in my heart today. Um, I will warn you, there are some tough verses in here, but it's going to be okay. Um, it's going to be okay. I think God's going to really speak to us and encourage us. Uh, I've been seeing all over the internet uh, different church leaders and faith leaders say this phrase, the church needs to take a stand. The church needs to take a a stand. So I'm going to preach a message today on Valentine's Day called Take a Stand. Take a Stand. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ezekiel uh, 22. Um, if you're watching online, which everyone is, um, <laughs> you don't need to, if you don't have your Bible, just they're going to put it on the screen. Don't open up a new tab. It'll be distracting. They're going to put it in the chat. It's going to be awesome. Ezekiel 22. We're doing Ezekiel. Like, we don't get a lot of sermons from Ezekiel, but we're going to have read two passages of scripture from Ezekiel. Ezekiel 22, verses 27 through 31. Uh, God has just given some really tough rebukes, correction, uh, and discipline to God's people. And then he's talking about Israel. And now he's getting ready to go in on the leaders and the prophets. And God is upset and he is prophesying through Ezekiel and telling everybody what's going on. Um, if you are reading your Bible for the first time, don't start in Ezekiel. Um, if you start in Ezekiel, you will be discouraged. You will be confused. Um, let's just do John, Philippians. Uh, but we're going to go in Ezekiel today. And it starts with verse 27 says this. Um, her officials, this is God talking to the prophet Israel. Other translations say her leaders, uh, Israel's leaders. And I love that because God speaks about Israel like in a relationship. So he, he would often, um, in, his, in his most upset moments, he would call Israel her. He would, there was this intimacy that he desired to have uh, with Israel. And he says this, her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. This is some bad leadership. I mean, some of y'all might just not like my sermon, but like, I'm not a wolf tearing their prey. I mean, this is harsh. Verse 28 says, her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I want you to just go along that list. And I want you to imagine if um, a person who um, could meet all of the things on this list, no one in this room hopefully knows someone or is sitting next to someone online that has shed blood or kills people to make unjust gain. If you are, get up and walk out of the house right now because these people are crazy. It says they did all these things, shed blood, they kill people, they, they have false prophecies, they say God said something when God didn't say that. They practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor. I mean, this would have been 
uh, you know, just the darkest part of society. They oppress the poor and the needy, and they mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. This is a tough list. But yet God says in verse 30 something that I just read over and over and over again. I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Wait a minute. You didn't go look for the person to take a stand from the church? You didn't go to the Bible college? You didn't go to the streets of Jerusalem where everyone was obeying God? You didn't go to the meet the low Zoom to go get the person to stand in the gap? You're trying to tell me that you look for the person you wanted to raise up to stop what the enemy was trying to do to your people among the wolves. If I read my Bible, my Bible says my sheep know my voice. So if God's sheep, who we are, we know God's voice, then why would God look for a leader to stop the destruction of Jerusalem among the wolves? I looked among them. I wonder if so many times we are so busy taking a stand against evil that we forget to tell people that God looks among you too. For someone he wants to raise up, for someone you might be watching online and you might think that you qualify for all of these terrible things. And I want to tell you, just like them, God is looking among the wicked to raise someone up to be righteous. So maybe we should be taking a stand, but maybe it's not against the wicked. Maybe it's not against the, wi- the evil. Maybe we should be taking a stand and standing in the gap and saying, God is looking among you to raise you up, to do what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. I know that God does this because God looked for me among the wicked. A lot of people don't know this. People that know my story got a chance to share it this week, but uh, uh, people know that, you know, I had a little bit of a weed problem. Let's just call it that. But what people don't know is that when I was in the music business, a lot of people know I write songs and wrote songs. But the record labels that I was working with, the money was being funded by drug dealers. It was being funded by drug dealers. And in March of 2009, one of these artists that I was working with uh, was selling drugs. And on March of 2009, this person uh, called me and said, turn on the news. Um, uh, our, Our guy, our connect, who supplies everything that... I sell to pay for all the music we're doing. This was, I wasn't a pastor yet, by the way. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you, I, I wasn't a pastor yet, if you were wondering. Uh, wasn't even in church yet, but he's like, he's, he's on the news right now, and he's throwing out money on the freeway. And I remember turning on the news, and this person who, the person who ran our record label was buying drugs from was throwing out money on the freeway. You can actually YouTube it. Man throws out money in San Diego freeway. People were picking up money off the freeway, and it was insane. And he, I remember him telling me, it's over. I always remember that. It's over. It's over. And it's over. And it truly was over. Shortly after that, the federal government uh, would call my friend. Uh, all of our phones had been tapped. A lot of people don't know this. All of our phones had been tapped. They arrested him on conspiracy 
conspiracy drug charges and took him to jail in San Diego to be indicted, and he was facing 10 years in prison. And I remember the fear that he had when I would talk to him, and he's, he, would, he told me in jail that God could tell me you need to get right with God. And so he gets out of jail, he gets bailed out, um, and he goes straight that Sunday to Oasis Church in 2009. Now, I was doing really bad at the time because that money was funding my ability to be able to do music, and it was all gone. So another person I knew that was a street pharmacist, if that makes you feel better, um, um, paid my rent until I could find a job. I lost my apartment, my girlfriend, and moved in on a futon where I would be for 14 months. And I remember this feeling that we had. And now, mind you, he came to Oasis, and eventually he invited me to Oasis. He invited me to Oasis in September of 2010, 10 years from the day that that person threw that drug money out the window, and my friend said it was over. 10 years later, I was the lead pastor of Oasis Church, and I was a wolf. And God looked among the wolves for somebody to lead his sheep. Oh, I feel like, I feel like preaching today, Ben. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to sit in that for a second. We think that God looks among the sheep. Sometimes God looks among the wolves. I think if we are going to take a stand against what's going on in our nation, we need to tell people that God doesn't always look where we think he looks. God doesn't always look where we think he looks. It's a scary thing to think that God would look among the, the, the wolves to, to, for someone to lead his sheep. But he says, I looked among them to see who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. And verse 31 says, I will pour out my wrath on them, not because they were bad, but he couldn't find one person to stand in the gap. This is why I want to preach a message called Take a Stand. When you look at that word gap, it means a breach. Uh, the word picture or the picture is, is like a, a water leak, bursting water leak. Isn't it interesting how the pandemic can make your peace spring a leak? The pandemic will put a breach in your faith. The pandemic will put a breach in your peace. The pandemic can put a breach in your hope. In your hope. Matter of fact, you can just wake up in the morning. Your alarm clock in, in a stressful can put a breach in something that God is trying to do. And so what he was talking about, and he was giving Ezekiel this picture of this is the distance between what I want for people and what they're, they're doing and I don't need someone to take a stand and tell them that they're wrong. I, don't, I need someone to take a stand by standing in the gap and bridging the gap between me and them. Between failure and success. Between sin and grace. Between discouragement and hope. I don't need someone to tell them, you need to be encouraged. This is what I like to do. I need someone to just stand in the gap between discouragement and encouragement. And then sometimes we end up, because of our own character, we bridge the gap between that and this. I won't destroy here if I can find a Christian who will stand here. I wonder if we've gotten taken a stand 
all wrong. We think taking a stand is posting about something. We think taking a stand is speaking out. Your silence is compliance. What if you're just supposed to stand in the gap between Democrats and Republicans, in the gap between this community and that community? What if the world is not becoming what the world needs to be, not because the world is evil, but God cannot find not one person. I think so many times we say the church needs unity. The church needs unity. And yes, the church is great. The Bible says in, 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 in Psalm 133 that God commands a blessing on unity. But sometimes God is so crazy. He's not even calling for unity when there's so much wickedness in the earth. He's just saying, if I could get one man, one woman to stand in the gap, I would do something. I'm just looking for one. It's so crazy. I'm just looking for one. I'm just looking for one. You have no idea how many people have probably stood in the gap for you. There's been some praying moms that stood in the gap. There's been some praying fathers that stood in the gap. There's been some great grandmothers when you were tripping and trifling. They was on their face every night for you, standing in the gap between where you were and where you are today. They're the reason why you're here and you don't even know it. In that dark moment where things were crumbling around me, I remember when I was dating Christina, I was giving her the time frame of some of my darkest moments. And, and one time she told me this, I'll never forget it. She says, you know what? Right when you, that story you just told me, I was right around that same time. I'm not sure if I have the exact day right, but the Lord told me to pull over and intercede for your husband. He's in trouble. Wow. And someone I hadn't met, God was telling them to pull over. Your husband, your future husband is in trouble. And what we don't understand is some of y'all think I'm so amazing, but God took one woman in a moment of my darkest and she stood in the gap. And that's why. Somebody needs to praise God for people who are standing in the gap. Somebody's been standing in the gap for you. You don't even know how much they pray for you. And they've been standing in the gap. Sometimes we just not need to take a stand against, but just stand in the gap. Bridge the gap between who they are today and who they're going to be. Bridge the gap between who they used to be and their future. Bridge the gap between their past and their future. Bridge the gap between where they're at and where they're going. That's what Christians do. And God's saying, I'm looking and I can't find anyone to stand in the gap. Yes, I think we should take a stand, but I think we're taking a stand the wrong way the wrong way. Interestingly enough, this is Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 22, and, and God is telling Ezekiel, I'm looking for someone to take a stand. But there's a really bizarre verse about 18 chapters earlier in Ezekiel 4, and I'm going to read you this bizarre verse because one of the things I want to do here at Oasis as your pastor is I think that sometimes we can get freaked out. We don't want you to be feel weird, or we don't want to have any awkward moments. So we leave out the parts of the Bible, but God's been telling me, I don't need you to be my PR rep. I need you to be their pastor. I don't need you to leave parts out of the Bible that make me look bad. I put it there. Get revelation from it. And so as often as I can, I'm going to be reading as bizarre passages of scriptures as I can so God can speak to us, not just through, I do all things that Christ that strengthens me, but he can speak to us through what I'm about to tell you right now. Ezekiel 4 verses 4 through 16. This is before God was looking for someone to stand. He was looking for someone to lie down. The Bible says that God 
spoke to all of um, the Israel's sin. And then he told Ezekiel this in verse four. Then lie on your left side and put the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days you lie on your side. Doesn't that sound familiar? Christ became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is a picture of what God is asking a prophet during that time to do is he's making him lie and bear the sin of the people. He, he, before he could speak, he made him lay in. He said, you're going to bear the sin for the number of days. I've assigned you the number of days as the years of their sin. So for 490 days, you will bear the sin of Israel. Now they were divided. So as he says, uh, Israel was divided into the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. So verse eight says, after you have finished this, lie down again, this time on your right side and bear the sin of the people of Judah. I've assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. Turn your face towards the siege of Jerusalem and with bare arm prophesy against her. I will tie you up with ropes so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have finished the days of your siege. And then he tells him, take wheat and barley and beans and lentils, millet and spelt. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds disgusting. Put them in a storage jar and use them to make bread for yourself. You are to eat it during the 390 days you lie on your side. Weigh out 20 shekels of food. To, each, to eat each day and eat it at all set times. Also measure out a sixth of a hen of water and drink it at set times. Eat the food as you would a loaf of barley bread, baking in the sight of the people, using human excrement for fuel. Hey, I'm, I'm going to read that again. I want you to bake the bread in front of people using human excrement human feces. If you are like me and you just wonder always what big words is, put in the chat, doo-doo. <laughs> I want you to bake the bread in front of the people over human doo-doo. Why in front of the people? Because the people would have known that he's not supposed to eat that bread. That is defiling righteous prophets don't eat that type of stuff. So God made him lay in filth and eat filth in front of people representing what the people were actually doing. He says, I want you to lay down. 390 days. He made the prophet lay on his side for 390 days. Cooking bread over filth. Not able to move. Laying in his own filth. And he said, I got to make you lay in it. You won't ever take a stand until you've laid into some stuff. Yeah. I remember laying on that futon. And I'm not one of those guys that like, likes to get into numbers. But the amount of time that God made me lay on that futon from the time that man threw all those drugs on the freeway to the time I moved into our first apartment with my wife was almost the same amount of time. I laid on that futon every night in my friend's apartment saying, God, where are you? There's nothing like believing in God and feeling like he doesn't believe in you. He left you laying down. I laid in my failure. It was all my fault. I should have never, should have never trusted drug money to fund my dream and my music. I should have trusted God. Now it's all my fault. I'm laying down. And when he first laid me down on the futon, I thought I would lay down for like a month and he'd get me in my own place. 
But I got to be honest, there was nights I cried myself to sleep. There's nights I cried myself to sleep because I just couldn't get off of this position of laying down. God made me lay in my sin. He made me lay in my failure. He made me lay in my discouragement because he knew one day he'd look for a man among the wolves. And because he had made me lay in it, he knew I'd take a stand. He knew I'd stand in the gap from someone who's laying in their failure too. He made me lay lay long enough because I would stand long enough. So now I'm going to stand the rest of my life over the time that I had to lay. I think the church should be taking a stand, but we're just taking a stand the wrong way. It's interesting because when we talk about standing in the gap, we're talking about a breach. And I think so many times we can build crazy churches talking about what God's going to do in the breach in your dream and the breach in your finances. But there's a breach in our character. There's a breach in our faith. And I don't want to fill a church worried about the wrong breach. Yeah, I want God to bless your finances. But did you blow all your money? He might make you lay in the lack so that when he gives you provision, you'll stand in the gap between, oh my God. I want to prophesy over you that God's going to change everything, but he didn't do that for me. He made me lay in it. Because when I laid in it, he knew I would take a stand. Before God asked Ezekiel to take a stand, he asked him to lay. And so I honestly believe that March 11th, 2020, that's when I found out we were in a pandemic. It'll be, by the time this pandemic is over, it'll be approximately the same amount of time that we've had to lay. And I think, again, I'm not a guy that's in the numbers, but I think it's prophetic. By the time people can get the vaccine and everybody can go back to normal, it'll be about 400 and some days, give or take. And I wonder if God's saying, I had to make you lay in that for a minute. Because before we, the pandemic, we all did what was comfortable. We went to church when we wanted. <laughs> this guy out there, um, there's this homeless guy who who come to our church every week. He'd come and ask for money every weekend in front of our church. And I saw him outside before we filmed this. He was like, when you going to open a church, man? <laughs> he just like rebuked me, man. <laughs> I'm like, it's like, it was funny. Like, come on, man. When you going to open a church, man? I was like, I almost wanted to share with him this verse. But I was like, I don't know. He seems pretty mad. But like, but, um, the Lord made us lay in this one. And I think he made us lay in it. And I don't, you know, I say that this is my opinion. But I think he knew he would take a stand. I think that he knew once we come back to church, this, they say certain people aren't going to ever come back to church. But the ones who do, we're going to stand for this. We're not going to have to beg people to get in connect groups anymore. We're not going to have to beg people to go to growth track. When we can gather in person, the growth track is going to be packed. They're going to be so glad to see people. We're not going to have to beg people to be on time for worship anymore. 
I don't think we're ever going to have to worship again in the room's 10% full. I don't think we're ever going to have to worry about that again because we had to lay in something. We'll be ready to take a stand for something. And I feel like when I see people online saying the church need to take a stand and it's about bashing other people, I'm like, oh, you need to lay down a little while longer. No wonder the vaccine's being rolled out slow because God might be going, I need to give these people a little more time. Because taking a stand biblically is, is often standing in the gap. And there is a place to tell the truth. There is a place to do that. Hear my heart. But I think that God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. This is the breach we need to be worried about. I understand, and I, here, I'm, I, we are here to help you. If this pandemic has been tough on you financially, that's why we're doing unprecedented generosity because we're gonna stand firm in our faith and we're gonna help you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be discouraged. I'm not saying, hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it hasn't been a tough season, but I'm just saying that we have to stand firm in the faith And if I preach messages about the gap in your finances, the gap in your dream or your goals, then yes, you might come to church more often, but what I'm preaching about is the breach in your faith. And what I'm hoping God uses me and some of the communicators up here is while you are in doubt, we stand in the gap between your doubt and your faith and preach the word. And when we preach the word and not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear, it bridges the gap between doubt and faith. Standing in the gap is no joke. And I know this is true that God doesn't necessarily always want us to take a stand in the ways we've been doing it. Here's how I know. Because this is very important. Joshua 5 verses 13 through 14 say this. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, this is all of God's people getting ready to step into the promised land. And they have enemies, wicked enemies, coming against them, trying to stop them. There are, have been forces. I'm not a, if Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that sounds like a really encouraging verse, except sometimes I go, well, who opened the gates of hell? This is crazy. So I know there are forces trying to stop the church, but these same forces were trying to stop Joshua and Israel. And the Bible says in Joshua 5, verses 13 through 14, that when Joshua was near Jericho, He looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Everyone who reads this knows, Bible scholars and all, that this man was an angel of the Lord from the Lord's army. And it says Joshua ran up. The word Hebrew went up as he ran up to him. Joshua was a G. He, he responded so quick, he ran up to him. He didn't even know he was an angel. He's like, oh, you, we got a problem? We got a problem, homie? He ran up to an angel of the Lord and said, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, the angel replied. Wait, what? So somebody from heaven isn't for God's people and he isn't for Israel? He said, neither. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. I really believe that this verse helps us define what taking a stand is because the angel of the Lord came to take a stand. And I want you to write this down. Sometimes we think we are taking a stand when we are just taking a side. Because the angel said to Joshua, when Joshua asked, 
Whose side are you on? This is Israel. They're getting attacked by people who are trying to stop them from getting all that God prophesied over them. And the angel of the Lord said, none of y'all. I take stands, not sides. I'm an angel of the Lord. And as Christians, I believe we can adopt that attitude and stop taking sides and start taking a stand in the gap between this person and that person, this community and that community, rich people and poor people, black people and people of color and white people. We need to stop reading so many books about privilege and start saying, I'm about to stand in the gap between this community and that community. And God is looking for that person among the wolves. 2021, put this in the chat. It's a good time to be a wolf. Woo, I feel like preaching. You thought it was a good time to be a sheep? No, 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 no. Not in times of crisis, not in times of chaos, not in times of disunity, not in a pandemic. It is not a good, necessarily a good time to be a sheep. It's a good time to be a wolf too. It's a good time to be a wolf too because God will look among the wolves and raise somebody up. To stand in the gap. I feel like, I feel like God is looking in places you don't think he's looking. And you're trying to clean up your life so you'll be a place where he'll look. You don't need to do that. God is looking among the shadiest people. If you're shady, put it in the chat. I'm shady. God's looking for me. Just put it in the chat right now. Just admit it. Get God's attention. Like me, I'm shady. Come on. We got so many shady people in our church, we might change the name of the church from Oasis to Wolfpack. <laughs> Wolfpack Church. And this is going to be on our website. Wolfpack Church. <laughs> we, just gonna, we don't even going to amen anymore. Just <laughs> Wolfpack Church. Bunch of shady people watching online every once in a while, never reading your Bible, smoking pot before the sermon, not you know, not paying your stuff on time, just stealing and janky. God said, I'm looking for you. You are exactly the type of person God is looking for. This is so encouraging. This is so encouraging because God found me among the wolves. Yes, we got to take a stand, but we got to take a stand the right way. And here's what's crazy. Joshua should have known this in some senses because a couple of chapters earlier, as they're crossing the Jordan, the Bible says it was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. They're trying to cross a raging river to get to what God has for them. And it says this, the Levites, about the Levites, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. This is the, what represented the glory of God, the goodness of God. This is what represented the presence of God. You and I as Christians, we represent the presence of God. Our bodies are containers of God's glory and God's presence. And it says, when these type of people touch the water at the river's edge, the water above that point begin backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. So when someone who had God's presence on them stepped into a raging river, the Bible says the waters parted and created a gap. But then it doesn't say that they just walked across. 
It says this, all the people walked across near the town of Jericho, but the priest who were carrying literally the presence of God stood on the dry ground in the gap as the people passed by and they waited and stood in the gap until the whole nation of Israel crossed. A handful of people with God's glory and God's presence stood in the gap until a nation got what God had for them. I love unity. Unity's great. But I feel like the Lord is saying, I just need one person that's willing to do something like this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Wow, I'm making good time. I only have like two more verses. This is unbelievable. This is like a first. I feel like I should pause so I can go over like I always do. It's like starting to be superstitious now. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says this. Now, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. It says stand. Steadfast means to stand firm. Be immovable. Wait, don't we pray for a move of God? Well, why is this verse telling us not to move? Don't we have to move? Oh, so moves of God are sparked by immovable Christians who are not moved by this. And when I mean move, you can be discouraged, but don't you move. You can have fear, but don't you move. No one is afraid of something that they see right there and stays in the same spot. The spirit of fear is to get you to move. Because he knows that nobody is afraid and just stand. If someone runs in this, if some big old vicious pit bull ran up here, I'm not going to stand up here. I'm going to move. So the enemy knows if I can bring fear in your life, you'll move out of God's perfect will. You'll move out of God's perfect plan. You'll move out of a perfect church for you. The church is not perfect. It's perfect for you because it's going to bring community. You'll move out of a job. You'll move out of a city. Somebody's moving right now, but because they're, no, God's saying, I need you to not to be immovable so I can move. Ludacris said, when I move, you move. Just like that. But God says, when you don't move, I move. Just like that. Somebody shout amen. If you cheer for that, you should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. Somebody's like, I like this guy. I always love that song. I'm going to close with Isaiah 58. And with 45 seconds left, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Well, they're already up, but I'm just feeling happy because I'm about to close this thing. I think so many times we say we're going to point people to Jesus, which we do. We want people to come to Jesus. But, but how people often come to Jesus, like I said earlier, is by people who stand in the gap between them and Jesus. So they see you before they see Jesus. I heard one Bible scholar say the Gospels are five books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. As you stand in the gap and they see what you're willing to do for someone that doesn't deserve it, you bridge the gap between them and Jesus. You, you correct the breach. Because the enemy, they're born in this, they put a breach between them and Jesus and God's saying, I need someone to fill the breach. Look at this. We, he was talking about people in Isaiah 58 who, and I, I think we should fast and I think we should pray. But in verse 
this verse, they were fasting so much, they weren't standing in the gap. And God said this in Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 12. Is, this, is not this the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness? Not to call it out. To loose it. To undo the straps of the yoke. This is the oppression. To let the oppressed go free. Not to just bash oppressors but free the oppressed and to break every yoke this represents bondage is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily so it says what you do to bring healing to someone else will activate your healing and it says, your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear, rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry. He's saying, you guys fast and pray to get me to answer you, but you haven't fed the poor. You haven't released the oppressed. You haven't let your light break forth. You haven't broke the bonds of wickedness. And when you do those things, that's a fast I want right now in this season. And, and our worship team has been fasting, so this isn't like, Y'all fast is fire. I'm talking about y'all fast and do stuff too to help people. <laughs> I want the worship team going, we on a fast. Should we not be on a fast? No, because y'all don't just fast. You fast and serve. You fast and love. You fast and help people. He's saying y'all are fasting, but you're not helping nobody. He says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger. If you take away the pointing of the finger. If you take away the pointing of the finger, if you take away the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, when your finger is out like this, pointing at what's wrong with someone else, the Bible says you're speaking wickedness. Stop pointing the finger. I'm going to say that again. If you take away the pointing of the finger and if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach. It is time to take a stand, but the right way. Father in heaven, I thank you for sending Jesus. And right now, even people who are not watching this sermon right now are taking a stand, but they're standing in the gap. And just like that verse said, if we put away the pointing of the finger, then our light will shine. So, Father, would you seal this word in the hearts of your sons and daughters? In Jesus' mighty name, amen.